welcome to the Healthy Mindfuck Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Lee. This show is completely dedicated to giving you the stories, strategies, and top performance hacks from extraordinary minds around the globe. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Hey fam, I hope everyone has been amazing. I have some extraordinary news. After a long anticipated wait, Wired for Worthy is open. If you haven't heard about Wired for Worthy, it is our community. We are talking about the neuroscience of self-discovery because when it really comes to living our fullest potential, we are the thing that gets in our greatest way. And so many other things out there and a lot of things that I had come across are really teaching me what to think, but not how to think for myself. And when it came to utilizing the tools that these other teachers were instructing me when I was all alone, they no longer worked. I had to have them there. So what Wired for Worthy is really about is building tools in a toolbox that you can use and utilize for neurological self-regulation so that when things get challenging, you are not left high and dry. Inside of this group, we use biometric feedback and individualized results to help you achieve your goals, get the resistance out of the way, transform it, and live your fullest potential. For my healthy mind people that have been listening to this podcast since the beginning. If you go into the show notes, you'll notice that there's a special link inside of there that is going to give you an additional $20 off this community. It is not inside of a Facebook group. It's actually inside of its own built application. We could not be more excited for you to dive into that. So to get more information about that, go ahead and click the link in the show notes. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. What is going on, my friends? We have a special treat today, a pink elephant in the room, so to say. My dear friend Tiffany Mast has joined us with something that I hadn't heard of prior to meeting her, but we're going to talk about the science of being, the science of presence, because we talk so much about being in the present moment and finding ourselves. And it's not about what you're doing, it's about how you're being. Well, it turns out there's this whole study and research behind all of this. And I've known Tiffany for about five months now. And in the process of those five months, I've watched her bloom and grow into this extraordinary, what we're gonna call queen, um, and just showing up as like, just fully empowered in all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the Cherry Garcia on the bathroom floor with the extra large pizza. She is a part of the crew and I'm really excited to have her here today. So Tiffany, welcome to the party. The jungle, the, the jungle party. Jungle party for sure, yes. <laughs> Gonna be Thank great. You. Yeah, so tell us how you even get into emotional intelligence and ontology. Like how did these things find you? Um, yeah, so, uh, you actually interviewed one of my best friends who is also previously my coach and uh, continues to be my mentor, Corey Weekle, um, on a previous podcast. Um, so I got introduced to her through one of my high school friends, Lauren, here in DC back in the end of 2016. And, um, Corey debriefed me on an emotional intelligence profile that shows your 
internal blind spots under stress and relationship. And at the same time was also going through an ontological coaching certification program where she had to do learning sessions that I got to be part of. So with those two things combined, it completely blew up the entire like way that I saw the world and how I thought things could be and exist and literally gave me an initial new lens that has only continued to multiply over time. And I feel like I've shifted like more, even in the past five months of us working together than my whole life. And so the cool part is the, the foundation of this is that you get to use these over and over again as you keep moving forward in life. So uh, for me, I got really lucky and was connected through a friend. Um, I had kind of heard of emotional intelligence and self-awareness and thought it was just people who uh, were like aware of what they were feeling and like how they were speaking, but I didn't think it was anything past that. It's kind of where my definition stopped. And it's, it's an interesting like concept for so many people, including myself where, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But when it comes to like the application of it, that's what um, you've continued to teach me with ontology is that there's just practical steps that we can take to not only like reframe how we're choosing to exist, but take more practical steps into uncovering our truth and really finding what that is. Because even those like statements, like I want to be my best self. And I just like want to like be me and feel empowered to be that person for myself. Those things are very like intangible. They're, they're not something that I can like really like sink my teeth into, but like the things that you share with me and the conversations that we have, they're very tangible. There's some like action steps behind them, which in a lot of those like more metaphysical studies is kind of like a rarity. However, before we go down that rabbit hole, how did you get here, Tiffany? Like, how are we having this conversation right now? Where did you come from? Where did I come from? Do we want to go all the way back? (laughs) Yeah, take us all the way down the magic rabbit hole of greatness. Okay. So um, I'm originally from North Carolina. And I was raised by my grandmother and um, had have incredible memories of when I was really, really young, just like constantly playing outside and finding magic in the world of nature and thought that I could talk to animals and all that fun stuff. And then through a series of events, um, ended up in my early childhood shortly like after like my initial memories that I have experienced a lot of trauma. So there was sexual trauma, like physical trauma, verbal trauma, and some psychological trauma that ensued when I was really young. And then um, as I continued to move through life, also had some adult trauma as well. And so I for a long time growing up thought that life was always going to be a fight and life was always going to be hard. And I always felt heavy, whether it was um, like internally felt heavy, but didn't really have language for why, or physically just always felt like there was some tension in my body. And like, I didn't feel comfortable in rooms. Like I felt like I needed to physically be small or, you know, like go off and stand in the corner because I didn't like space, like space in my body did not go together. And, um, 
And I noticed as I went through college and then got into the world of corporate that it was starting to impact my ability to be able to grow in corporate. And, um, and so I then kind of would try to like do different things that my managers or supervisors would tell me, like take the different actions and nothing would ever stick uh, or like some things would stick, some things wouldn't. And I felt like I was constantly in this hamster wheel and I would make some improvement and then I would hit a wall again and, and was noticing that I was still struggling with like the same thoughts of like, I'm not enough. Like I need to make sure that what, when I speak, I don't upset other people or if if I do say something and it upsets other people, then what do I need to say or do differently to make sure that it kind of diffuses the situation? Like essentially like, who do I need to be based off whatever relationship I'm in at that moment? And it was exhausting. I was looking, I was becoming successful because I was being able to like morph into this different person, every relationship I was in and even going into my intimate relationships. And, and I was becoming successful in corporate and then I would go home and I was completely exhausted. So people were seeing one side of me where I was like smiling and bubbly and like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm here. I have whatever you need me to do. I'm always happy to help. Cause I was also raised with like, you know, very strong faith base and you want to have the servant's heart and you know what the servant's heart looks like is making sure that other people are happy. Um, and thinking that that was the truth. And if I wasn't doing that, then A, my relationship with God was at stake, um, but then B, there was something inherently wrong with me as a person if I couldn't ensure that everybody that I was in relationship with felt good. Um, and so I would just literally, there was a huge period in my life where some of the adult trauma I had on top of showing up like this every day and basically not addressing what had happened to me in my life and saying like, well, that's not important because again, we need to focus on other people. I was just going home and crawling in bed and hiding. Um, and then when I met Corey through my friend Lauren and I took this profile, it literally allowed me to see initially some of the, the chains I would say that were holding me down <clears throat> and recognizing that uh, this belief system that to have a servant's heart and to show up this way was actually costing me. And so how could I redefine what it looked like to, to hold my faith, to have the servant's heart and also to honor myself at the same time, which is something that I had never thought of, or even really, I would say like learned in my life um, is this concept of when you honor yourself, you're actually able to show up like 10 tenfold <laughs> for other people. And so who you see in front of you now is someone who since 2016 has really been working on what does her relationship with herself look like? And especially with the work that you've been doing with me for the past five years, this new level of what does it mean to step into and live and breathe and like physically feel in every cell of my body worth. Um, and so I would say that today, what you're seeing and what we both know to be true, which I think we'll probably talk about later is like, I have actual data to prove it now because of you that, that, um, that these things that were quote in my way in life before, like these traumas, these messages that other people gave me, that society gave me on what it meant to be like a woman or how to show up in all these different areas of my life, like 
what was in the way was the way mm. was the way for me to get to my worthy like that's what you've been helping me do and so so now I, I sit in front of you as someone who continues to do that daily practice because again we both know that's not something that like <clears throat> you have one uh, coaching session like with you know the workshopping that you do and then you walk out of it like oh I completely like I have my worthy I've grown we're all done here like it is it then becomes like that muscle that we have to continue to practice because it's a new neural pathway that hasn't been there because we've been living in the old pathway for so long and so now it's you know like putting on that new set of glasses and then choosing to put on that that set of glasses every single day uh to to eventually make it be something that is more wired and um unconscious like it's just there yeah there is so many different avenues that i want to go down one thing that really hit home for me is that so many of us including myself um before you go deeper into this work we we live through the lens of somebody else's expectations and say we're alive right and Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of what we're indoctrinated with is that like people pleasing response, especially, you know, those of us that have gone through these traumas and these experiences that people have emotionally like created challenge in our lives. And we can call that pain and suffering of all these other things, but that people pleasing response has like really shaped the way that we see ourselves. And by doing that, we always put that servant's mindset to take care of other people ahead of ourselves determining through this like secondary lens that like we're not worthy of being taken care of. But what you said was like, when you honor yourself, you're able to serve your community 10 times over. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's that simple concept that is simple to say, hard to practice, filling your cup up first and serving others from like your saucer, right? Like that's that Lisa Lisa Nichols quote that I really love. But I want you to go further into, you said something that was, the way, what, what's in the way is the way. Like that is mm-hmm. the path that's ahead of you. How did you come to that? Because that that reminds me of a quote that um, is in Man's Search for Meaning, that the moment yeah. you give meaning to your trauma, it no longer confines and defines you. How did you come to that? Because that's, that's transformation in motion from my perspective over here. And I really love that. Yeah. Um... I would say like I, between the coaching with Corey and then now the coaching with you and going through this ontological coaching certification program, now myself, like having just graduated from it, um, doing the work, like being, being the human in the practice for the past few years is what has taught me like every time, um, I lean in, I get to, and as terrifying as it is, when I get to the other side, there's like this feeling of liberation and like, oh my God, I did it. And wait, it wasn't actually that hard or that scary. Like, you see how much you blow it up. Yeah, it's like, oh, I see how much I blew that up in my mind. And actually like the universe is trying to tell me do more of this. And then specifically with the work I've been doing with you, well, nobody can see right now, but I have what's called a bio strap on my wrist. And so what you do with me is we essentially monitor a bunch of metrics and have been over the past few months to say, 
or to ask like, how is my nervous system responding to the work that we're doing? And the funny part is, well, data can't lie, first of all. <laughs> um, uh, and so that's a good part because it, it also helps keep me honest. I just want to say that as a caveat. So people should definitely work with you, A, because you're just fucking amazing. Uh, but B, because when you have data, it, it makes you stay honest and keep that integrity even outside of the coaching sessions. Because I know that I can't show up and fib because my numbers don't fib. And so essentially, as I've worked with you these past four months, and I feel like shifted more than I ever have in my life, um, every time that I have chosen to, to look at the thing that feels like it's in the way that my brain perceives is very much in the way and as like the roadblock and like, and whether it's the negative narrative that I'm telling myself or the like feeling that like fear or the shame or whatever it is, every time that I've leaned into it, we'll use last night as an example. Last night was week one of a six week group coaching program that you told me you're going to do this like a month ago. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. I guess I am. And uh, for everyone that's listening, this is my first time. I'm a brand new entrepreneur. I'm like a baby chick. I haven't even come out of the egg yet. I've just like peeped an eyeball out maybe. Um, and so this is very new and very terrifying. And so it was like all the thoughts of like, you're not enough. You don't have powerful enough content. You can't actually help people. Like you're still a hot mess. Like you're like, you still struggle with yourself every day. Like how are people actually gonna find value in you? Why, like, why would you even charge people like they're not going to show up kind of thing? And because I chose to hold those narratives and look at them and understand that they were trying to just keep me safe. And I decided to continue to step forward with your help. Like, and I did it like I had that moment last night after I finished my first class and, and knowing that I, there's still more learning and evolving to do and, and not like a bad way, but being in appreciation that other humans are we're all holding space for each other to learn and evolve. And it's not, nobody wants you to show up perfect. Like, I don't know anybody that wants that because being human and being transparent and saying, Hey, like I'm learning with you, that creates more trust. Yes. And so when I woke up this morning, my nervous system numbers were at a hundred percent. And so literally that's the data showing that what's in the way is the way like that is the way to a more regulated nervous system. That is the way to embodying and feeling and living out what your worthy is. Yes, time and time again, right? And I think the fear creates that illusion of like, if you go down that path, there's a lot of like cactus colonoscopies that way. It's gonna hurt, you don't wanna go there. Instead of like embracing the suck, which we talk about a lot and just like leaning mm -hmm. into that and just going, I think that discomfort is what I came here for. Like, I didn't just like randomly come into this body to like, just be like mediocre or okay, or hell, even good. I want to be extraordinary and I want to be amazing. And in order to do that, I need to go down like the spiritual path and like learn some of those like hard lessons, which doesn't feel super good all the time. However, yeah. what happens when you leave in? Ah, uh, so much. I just, even though I sound crazy today, because I think I actually have allergies for the first time in my life. I went to, I, I laid my head down on my pillow and I attribute this to Kelly Brock, my business coach, who was the initial catalyst for me even stepping into creating a business last year. She always says that she wants women to be able to lay their head down on their pillow and say like, I'm doing it. I'm being her. And so I texted her last night and said, 
I'm being her. I am that her that you challenged me to like write down in my 10 year dreams last year. And everything I wrote down has come to fruition in less than a year. And so, um, but to your point though, I've had to remind myself with the fear that, and this I got from, from Corey and from you is that <clears throat> doing new things wasn't safe when I was younger. Like being curious and going into new spaces would be shut down or I would be isolated or put somewhere else. And so what I learned was being curious or having a learner mindset or trying new things and going in new spaces that were uncertain meant that I would not be in relationship and that I would either be shut down or isolated. And so now how I'm seeing that show up as I'm in all of these new spaces is my tendency is to self-isolate or shut myself down via procrastination with distracting with TikTok cat videos or, you know, or food. And so I'm, I'm learning the practice of a holding grace for myself when I notice that I'm doing those things and saying, you're allowed to be a human being and you can hold both. You can like, cause the old, the pattern of how we learn to be safe in a relationship is never going to go away. And we don't want it to, right? Because that's just how we've been wired over time. Yeah. It's that we get these additional new, like everybody has sunglasses. Well, most people have sunglasses, but it's like you have multiple pairs of sunglasses or regular glasses to match the outfit you're in. So just like every relationship or situation we're in, we get to choose from these different lenses that we want to put on. And as we grow and gain more self-awareness internally and externally, because we don't want to just look, focus on ourselves because just focusing on us doesn't mean that we understand us. We also want to ask what is our impact that we're having on the world and other people. Um, but we get to gain more lenses so that we have this whole inventory or repertoire that we can choose from as we continue to grow over time. It's like you were saying with Man's Search for Meaning, which is one of my favorite books, he says there's a stimulus and a response. And between that space is a space and that space is choice. And mm -hmm. so what the work is that we do is when we have a stimulus, just creating more choice in that space in between. I love that. So one of my favorite coaches and one of my favorite speakers, his name is Eric Edmeads. And he talks about that same space between when something challenging happens and the distance it takes you or the time it takes you to extract like the knowledge from that. And that the longer that that is, the more challenging or the more the ego says that this happened to you. But if you can just change it and the moment that something challenging happens to you, you say, this is for me and you can claim responsibility. He says, not only does that simple thought completely eradicate like this extremely long extracting lessons and trauma integration is challenging, but it actually like draws it to you and your system gets primed to like find the solution and the answer and the truth in things instead of just trying to like push it away because it makes us uncomfortable. And I think you're such an amazing example of this that when you get started in these types of things, your system's kind of like, yeah, no, don't want to feel those types of things. Doesn't feel super good. So pass. And now whenever like we have sessions or we get to jam, it's like, yep, here we go. Like buckle up buttercup. And like that little, uh, Tiffany sent me this amazing, uh, what is a gif of this, like just mm -hmm pink elephant that is just getting after it like proud queen pose all these amazing things and like that's going to be our thing now 
Um, but like yeah. moving to like that <laughs> phase where it's like, boy, that wasn't fun. Holy cow, but sweet, it happened and it's over. And now I get to learn your window mm-hmm. between like, this sucks to like, I'm amazing and like challenging things are going to happen. Cause like strength calls in challenge sweet that narrow window like it's amazing to watch that transformation so my question is tiffany for somebody out there that might have had challenges in their past or for somebody out there that's like you know had a, a history that could be similar to yours or that just has those challenges how did you create that sense of safety that like revisiting those memories and like doing like the more dirty work was okay and that it wasn't going to hurt you Hmm. That's a good question. Let me think about how to explain that. So I would say it's a couple of different factors. Uh, One is gaining emotional literacy over Mm. what my experience is in the first place. Yes. Makes it less scary. So like if I think about the EQ profile um, that I now work with, but that Corey used with me, that was one of the most powerful things for me when I started working with her was being able to expand. Well, A, understand that like she told me emotions um, are information, not instruction. So emotions are true. They're always true, but they're not always right because oftentimes emotionally how we can be responding is based off previous experiences. So like for me, previous traumas. Um, So gaining emotional literacy, expanding my vocabulary to be able to like how they say, like name it to tame it and then feel it to heal it, to be able to label it first allowed me to then step into the next step, which was how then do you learn to feel it, to be able to heal it. And knowing that when I allow myself to access and process and emotion, even the ones that we consider more distressing, I'm not going to get lost in it or stuck in it. My body actually wants me to do that um, instead of resisting it. Cause there's a quote that says resistance or suffering is resistance multiplied. So stuffing it away or saying, I only have like a minute to deal with this. And then I need to focus on something else is still resistance. And then it actually like roots it in our body emotionally so then we physically start to show up differently and it impacts the way that we see the world um so learning to play around with what it looks like to feel so with you you've actually taught me i would say like the deepest level of how to process emotion through our workshops where you'll do guided meditations and talk me through specific to like whatever emotion it is that is prevalent for me that day so then it enables me these practices to play around with and feel safer by myself outside of our coaching sessions to like wiggle my body or lay on my my rug which is my safe space to make some mattress angels and and literally talk out loud to myself because I think we forget how powerful it is to actually speak because yes we have language internally but speaking out loud and and hearing yourself from that angle is very different. And language is generative and we forget that. So we can literally speak something new into existence because our word creates our world that we're in. And so I would say with you and doing those meditation workshops, you've really taught me what it means to be safe in my body. And especially someone who's gone through sexual trauma, you learn to detach from your, your body because you learn that that 
being in your body in those specific moments is not safe. And so, <clears throat> so learning that like healing, um, Corey also shared this with me, like healing isn't about fixing something because I, I was never actually broken. It's remembering that I've always been okay. So bringing me back to the, the human and the woman that has always been there. And I've just been blinded to by other people's messages and other people projecting their pains on me without recognizing that they're doing it. And then the last thing that I would share that's really helped me um, perspective wise is like this concept of wholeness. So for a long time, I defined being whole as like somebody who has all their shit together, like in every area of life. So like finances, uh, work, they are quote successful because they've climbed up the ladder was initially how I defined it. Um, they have really good relationships where, you know, they socialize and hang out. They have like a good partnership. They have nice things. And now after going through this coaching program, how I define wholeness is being the human that I am in each moment that exists. Mm. And and wholeness includes pain and suffering and feelings of brokenness and joy and gratitude. Um, it includes everything. So I would say that that's kind of like, that's the cherry on top for me uh, with work that we've done where you've taught me how to be safe is that also I am whole in every space that I'm in, um, including every emotion or, or feeling frustration or, you know, like good thing that happens. We are always whole. We are never not whole. I think that that's one of those like hardcore lessons that until you are like fully able to like go into your stuff that can very much be like a concept that needs to be experienced mm -hmm. in order to like fully witness it. I just want to reflect back like a few really important points for our listeners out there and that emotions are information, not instruction. And they try to like tell you the inverse of that, that this emotion is going to like dictate your behavior type of thing. And it's really good at doing that too. Like psychology and evolutionary neuroscience says that your system will try to hinder you from moving in a direction that'll experience those emotions again, because those pain centers for emotions are the same ones as physical pain. And I think all of us know that we're not going to go like touch the hot stove top. Well, same thing goes for all our emotions. But the other part that I really love is around emotional literacy and name it to tame it and then feel it to heal it. Um, I love that. And I think like you had talked mm -hmm. about, Corey is so good, as are you, that when you build a more dense emotional library, being able to experience yourself in the confines of the emotion, but observing it and not participating, that's what language has done for me and my emotional literacy as it goes up is the more that I'm better able to form words around an experience, the more I'm not the experience, the more that the yeah. thoughts and the stress stories and all of those things that come up, I'm able to peel the Velcro away from itself and go, oh, wait a second. I am not the stories that are coming up despite the stories trying to make me think that that's me. I'm actually this person completely chilling over here and that the more stress and the more mm -hmm. fear I have, the more those two forces attract each other to like stick together. How can people get to that point though? Because especially if people have had trauma or this information is like brand new to them, whatever that might be, 
the observer versus like the participant is such an important concept to understand that you can always return to observing an experience. How do you navigate that space? <clears throat> so there's a core model of the coaching program that I just went through called the OAR model, which is observer action results. <clears throat> and what it says is that typically we, we are looking for certain results in our lives. And when we, you know, do or don't get them, we look at what, what are the actions or things that we're doing that we might need to change to get different results. And what, what this model offers is we want to challenge that and actually take a step back and say, if you really want to transform uh, the results that you're getting in your life, you need to go back and look at the O, which is the observer we are. And looking at the observer we are and the aspects that make that up, which is our body language and emotions, um, and, and creating more coherency with all three of those together, that is what gets you truly different actions and behaviors and practices in life. Um, <clears throat> and so what I would offer uh, is like foundationally, um, I think I, I shared this practice with you earlier this week. Uh, so, and I got this from my program. So if you like take out a sheet of paper and put three columns out uh, and across the top, the left column, you're gonna just ask yourself, it's like the observer column. So observing your observer and kind of asking yourself, you know, through like culture, um, like what your sex is, what you believe your gender is, factors that are unique to you, asking yourself, what do you believe to be true in the world in that column? Like what is acceptable versus not? What are things that bring you joy versus um, they're scary? What do you see is bad versus good? And then in that second column, write down practices up at the top. And then what, what are your formal and informal practices that you find yourself doing? So formal practices can be like if you're studying Spanish or French or you go to a CrossFit gym um, or maybe you do meditation every morning um, or maybe like when you go to work, uh, what, what are those formal practices? And then your informal practices. So asking yourself, what are the like gestures or postures that you take towards life on a daily basis? Um, and that might take a little bit more reflection for some people. So for example, when you watch yourself, just maybe in the simple act of introducing yourself to others, um, how do you notice that you do this? Do you make yourself small? Do you expand yourself? What are the thoughts that come up? Do you notice tension coming up in your body? And those things. And then in the third column at the top, you want to ask yourself, what do you think is real for you when you go out in the world? Like, what do you perceive as reality? So like, do you believe rocks are real? Emotions, spiritual presence, thoughts, and really take inventory of the things in your day-to-day -day experience that you see as real. Um, and I think one of the things um, I shared with you is when I learned about this practice, the person who shared it said that like their daughter, who was really young, like she believes like her heart is real because it's beating, right? And like animals are real. And then there's this other side where she has a very deep imagination that she also believes to be real. So she's able to close her eyes and visualize like the moonbeam coming, you know, through the night sky and like being able to connect with her, with her heart. So like really taking time, I would say uh, it's not something that you just discover in one instant. It, it's a, a complete practice. And that's what mastery is. Mastery is consistent practice over time. And it's not just practice 
like at an expert level, it's actually practiced at a foundational level. So the way that it, um, like in martial arts, uh, the black belts or the people that are at the high levels continue to stay there is they always go down to the foundational movements that they made in their initial classes. And it's the same concept here with this work of the foundation of self-awareness of, of being a better observer of creating more coherency is daily just taking the time. Um, and it's not gonna be every single moment. Like I'm, I'm not conscious of the observer I am in every single second of every day because that sometimes can get really exhausting. Um, but it's just maybe take 10 minutes out of a day or five minutes if you wanna start and just notice how you're showing up and then capture it in that format. And then over time, you'll begin to see what patterns are coming up for you. Like, are there, are there certain ways that you physically um, tend to show up in certain situations? So like I was saying, every time you introduce yourself to somebody, you notice that you wanna make yourself small or your shoulders come in, or you have these thoughts of like, oh my gosh, I wonder what they're gonna think of me you then can begin to ask yourself, what new thought do I want to hold for myself? And then you put that into practice. Yeah, I, this is so important. And it's one of those, it's one of those things that is like, is, is universal, I would say that like the masters, especially, so I have a, I have a Tai Chi master who he's 80, he's 88 now. Um, and every time like he introduces me to a new move or a new like series. Uh, I get six months to learn it mm -hmm. and it's crazy. And like everyone else that is like way ahead of me, it's not that they're like beyond the capacity of like what I can do, but they've invested the time to know like very specific movements in like so much time and energy and effort and intention that like, they are like so just committed to that process. And that's like the truth of like all the masters that, I, and like you said, every martial artist, like the foundation is like the mastery. It's like, they don't know these crazy backflip moves or anything like that. They know like the single punch. What's that quote? I'm not afraid of the man that can throw a thousand punches one time. I'm afraid of the man that knows one punch that he's thrown a thousand times. Mm -hmm. Like something like that. And it's like, oh damn, right? So like, as we start to like get to the end of this, what's that one punch that you would tell people to like start to practice? What would be that one thing that would like move the needle for people every single day, whether it's a practice or just a thought process, what would that be? Or what is that for you, Tiffany? <clears throat> uh, I would offer a, a thought process. So the analogy I was talking about earlier with the different lenses. So <clears throat> we have what are called assessments and assertions in life and assessments are our opinions, our judgments. They're the way that we make meaning of our experiences in the world. Assertions are like either true, false or pending, like waiting for more evidence to determine whether they're on one side or the other, true or false. And what I would offer is assessments are like glasses that you put on. And <clears throat> if you've ever been to the eye doctor where they're like better here or better here as they're adjusting and things come into focus and then they go blurry. It's the same concept of the types of glasses that you put on. So I want people to understand that as they are, are practicing being aware of what their opinions or judgments of themselves and the world are that come up for them, recognize that those are glasses 
and it may not be the right prescription for you. Like there may be aspects of that opinion or judgment or how you're perceiving things that you want to shift for yourself. And they're not, it's not your actual eyes. It is the glasses. So you can take them off. And instead of looking through those opinions and judgments, um, you can look at them and ask yourself, oh, okay. So this doesn't have to be fully my truth. So again, I think the one punch would be look at your assessments, look at your opinions and your judgments and how you're making meaning of the world and get curious instead mm -hmm. of looking through them and thinking that that's what you have to live through for the rest of your life. That like level of curiosity, like every person that I have found comes into my life that they call themselves successful, which typically is not just financial, but it's like the health, wealth, happiness, and continue to like endow wisdom. They are curious and they're playful. Like those two things are like so consistent that it it's one of those things like learning curiosity again out of outside of fear because the fear says like this happened to me instead of being curious of like how could this have happened for me? It's a challenging shift to make, but the consistency is what builds that mastery again. So I I really really love that. Tiffany, can you explain briefly what ontological coaching really looks like? Because it's, mm -hmm. it's so different than like, you know, typical like lifestyle coaching or, you know, a life coach and other things like that, because it, it's so tangible. Yeah. <clears throat> so for me, um, the way that I now show up as an ontological coach is I, A, don't sit as the coach on this throne above any of my clients as I like have my shit figured out because I have this certification. Um, I tell them that I am on the same level with them. We're partners in this. I see them as a whole capable, resourceful human being that actually does have all the answers within them. They just have been, again, blinded to it. And so what, what that experience looks like is <clears throat> A, me seeing them as a whole capable human and they're not something that needs to be fixed because they're already whole. So again, that, that concept of wholeness. The other really uh, important aspect is seeing them, like truly seeing them. And I'm trying to think of there's a, an African word that starts with the Z, have you heard of it? Hmm, probably at some point, cause that, that little trigger right there is firing up my hippocampus of like, yeah, there's a, there's a thing with some stuff, but the only thing that's like coming up to my mind right now. Ah, uh, is... here it is. It's a, mm. it's not a Z, it's an S. Sao, I'm going to murder this. Sawubona, S-A-W-B-O-N-A. And <clears throat> it means I see you, you are important to me and I value you. Uh, so it literally means like recognizing the worth and dignity of a human being that's in front of you. So mm -hmm. for me, I've actually never shared this when, when I sit down in front of every single one of my clients, every single session, I think of that sawabona that I'm literally seeing this person and valuing them and their dignity all together and really creating this safe space for them to be fully themselves. Mm -hmm. However, that is without judgment. Um, because again, I'm not trying to fix them. I am not trying to make meaning for them. It's I'm asking questions to guide their curiosity for them to continue to make meaning the meaning that they need to make for their lives because mm -hmm. their experience is not my experience. So if I were to try to make meaning for them, I may offer a perspective or give another like emotional literacy tool or something or give them uh, 
literacy around like their physical being or thoughts, um, but it is up to them to make the meaning they need to make for their life and for their experience. Cause I would never want to jeopardize what someone else is meant for a lesson that they're meant to learn. And mm -hmm. if I insert my opinion that, or meaning that they should make that takes away from what's meant for them. Um, and I, the, the other aspect is not just listening to what they're saying, but listening, listening from a pure space of curiosity. So I think what people don't uh, understand is these assessments and opinions that we look through, they impact from how, from like where we listen from, if that makes sense. And so purely hearing what they're saying, paying attention to specific words and language that they're using patterns and that paying attention to their body, like if their, their shoulders drop or if their chest gets tight or if their respiratory rate increases, different facial gestures, like really see, like that the saying that I was saying, like really seeing this person fully. And then some of the words will also indicate what their emotional experience could be and noticing where is their, uh, where is their incoherence in that? And then how do I ask a question in a way that uh, compassionately brings it attention to the, to their attention um, and then guides them through that process, which is very different because I've been to tons of therapists and counselors and I've been to like other quote life coaches before. And a lot of it was uh, a them asking me like what all the bad things were that happened to me in my life and, and, and then telling me how I should feel about it and, or what their opinion was. And then I would walk out of the session feeling like even more heavy than when I walked in. And so, um, so yeah, again, what this is about is really, we may touch on the past, but it's really about if we go to the past, understanding how it's impacting how that human is showing up right now. And then what choice do they or don't they want to make on how they want to continue to move forward. Um, so I would say it's, it's very different from anything I've experienced and to incorporate the physical, the body piece, that has also been the most powerful because we have been so disconnected from our bodies in our society. And it goes all the way back to like 500 BC when Heraclitus and Socrates, two different philosophers had opposing arguments on like what it was to know. And then Heraclitus run out. And because he, again, language is generative and it creates our world. Heraclitus literally said like science is the way. So this age of rationalism, rationalism came out and it was like everything could be reduced down to like scientific function and that at that point him making that statement separated our our physical bodies in our internal world from our external world as they were two separate things and the even the internal world could be reduced down to like biological cells and so this whole aspect of what we do in ontology is bringing those two worlds back together in a healthy way to say no they're not actually two separate things they they happen together, there's a dance that occurs here. Mm. Yeah, it's a harmonic, right? Like those two things are coming together to like create a singular note versus like, oh, it's it's just two different things um, that are yeah. just distinct and there's this giant wall between the two of them. So for everybody that like maybe has never had a coach or um, hasn't worked with somebody like Tiffany, the things that she's saying, and this is the example that I give to everybody, whether they're choosing to become a client of mine or they're like choosing to like go in a different direction. It doesn't matter to me. I want them to find the most empowered choice. However, the thing that I tell them is that your end goal for an example is to build a house. 
and that a lot of coaches out there will judge your vision of a house instead of giving you tools to build the house for yourself. And I want everyone really quickly to like take a minute to reflect on what Tiffany said because she gave you tools and didn't judge your blueprints because like what you want and your goals and your visions and ambitions are purely yours, right? And that if you can find somebody like Tiffany, that's going to help provide you tools and strategies and the hammer, screws, nails to build that, those are the people you want to hang around with. So I, I really love that. And I just very much want to like highlight that aspect because I don't, when people do the work, like it shows in the way that they present themselves. And Tiffany is a radiating example of that. So thank you for doing that. Tiffany, if people want to connect, they want to see what you're up to, they want to get into like ontological <laughs> coaching, how can they connect with you? Yeah, so I have a website um, as a form that you can reach out to me with called createawarenesscoaching.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn if people want to find me there. And then Instagram, I'm at TiffMast. So feel free to DM me. I love connecting with humans is my favorite. Uh, so even if we, you know, people don't choose to work with me, I still gaining new perspectives and um, and sharing like any resources I can in the interim is something that I love to do. Yes. And please just reach out. And like, if you have questions about any of this, or if this hit home for you, please drop her a message because th this type of work is just so empowering. And Tiffany's again, one of those unfortunate, I have to say this sometimes because I've run across recently, a lot of coaches that are like judging the blueprints and not providing the tools. Tiffany is not that person. And, you know, re-listen to this episode if you need any evidence of that whatsoever. So at the very least, drop her a message and just say, hey, I hope you're doing really well. Can you tell me a little bit more about this or ask her questions? Because she really is bomb.com. Tiffany, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today and just dropping mad fire for our listeners out there. Any final words that you'd like to share with the people? Um, with people? Yeah. I, I just, again, I would offer that the messages that you've been given or the, the way that other people respond to you doesn't have to be the lens through which you have to continue to live your life through. And I would offer that courage is waiting for them. Um, this is the hardest and most rewarding work. There's the most liberation on the other side. And so just know that you're already whole. There's nothing that needs to be fixed and uh, who you are being in each moment is more than enough. I hope you had an amazing time on this episode. As always, I want to give a huge shout out to our guest for swinging through here and dropping knowledge. And if you guys had a special takeaway, something that really stuck with you, if you could do us a favor and just drop that in a comment, in a review on the show, it helps us out tremendously. It also gives us the necessary feedback so we can continue to bring on guests that inspire you to be your best possible self. And if you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram at Dr. Chris Lee. Give me a follow. And if you go into the link in my bio right there, you'll also see that Wired for Worthy, our neuroscience-based, expressive, amazing group of unicorns community is open and ready to go. Or 
You can have this little secret if you go to the show notes of this show and click on Wired for Worthy Community. What you will find is actually a $20 coupon to get inside of the community itself and start your journey to emotional freedom. Thank you so much for being a part of this family, and we will see you on the next one. Thank you.